robot Jacob? I would not do it. <laughs> I would not speak in this manner. Hello, everyone. No, but you do from time to time. Episode 7. And it is funny. Well, hello to everyone out there in podcast land. Greetings, is, Seth's fans. It is I, Jacob, the robot. <laughs> robot Jacob, introducing songs. It is I, Jakebot. In snippets, the Jakebot 2000. I'm Jacob King. I'm Joshua Best. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. We're taking a look at the greatest singles of the rock and roll era. 45s that were spun by people on record players from the early 50s on up until their disappearance into the 80s and 90s. These are the 45s that created the rock and roll of the United States. You want to talk about a single? I guess we have to. This is All why we're right. here, right? Well, I think you're first this time. Well, okay. I'm going to abandon all pretexts of having some sort of um, pattern that yes. to follow. Yeah, it, that it, was getting to be stressful. Well, it kind of... <laughs> Even though it was accidental. I didn't really... Yeah, I didn't really try. I didn't either, but when I noticed the pattern, I was like, ooh. So last time, Battle of New Orleans, Johnny Horton... See, that was one right there. You just did it. What are you talking about? Last one, Battle of New Orleans, but Johnny that's, Horton. <laughs> that's Robo Jake. That's just a manner of speaking. I know. It, that but, is not Jake Bot. But it just, you just accidentally morph into it, usually when doing a title and artist, and it's really funny. I love it. Well. <laughs> now I don't want to speak. I might as well just program Microsoft Sam to do my talking for me. At least he can get a consistent volume. Johnny Horton, Battle of New Orleans. So, I've abandoned all pretexts. Not going to be doing any type of order anymore even though, as we said, that's how it turned out. Last time I gave you all some Johnny Horton, that was a country record I guess, though it kinda could go anywhere. Goofy gold. Goofy gold indeed. This time I'm taking you all to 1975, to a number one hit from one of my very favorite artists. Waylon Jennings. It's called Are You Sure Hank Done It This Away? Excellent. Love it. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suit. Shiny cars, it's been the same way for years. We need to change. Somebody told me when I came to Nashville, son, you finally got it made. Old Hank made it here. We're all sure that you will, but I don't think Hank done it. Way. No. I don't think Hank done it this way. 
Tell me one more time, just so as I'll understand. Are you sure Hank done it this way? Did he really do it this way? I don't think Hank done it this way. Well, I don't know. By the time you are getting into 1975, you know, in the middle, country music in the 70s and 80s was very, was very pop. And yeah, I don't think people, well, I mean, a lot of our listeners probably realize because they were right there in the middle of it. I mean... You had guys like George Strait come along in the early 80s that that become neo-traditional. They come back with the fiddle and steel guitar and and all that stuff, really traditional stuff. And of course, a lot of people know Hank Wood. A lot of people know Waylon Jennings, excuse me, for being part of the outlaw country movement. Sure. And this was the beginning of that, sort of breaking away from Nashville. He he was clearly not very... uh, he was disillusioned with what was going on at the time. Yeah, uh, a Texas boy. He came up in country music. He kind of got his start in the '60s, much like Roy Orbison did, and kind of was part of that '60s country thing that was also very pop music in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, Maybe polished. Polished. Yeah, in a different way, but than, I mean, than say the '80s, which is a different kind of polish. Yes. I mean, whenever Hank Williams was uh, coming up, it was all very traditional. Yeah. So, Waylon Jennings thought, well, you know what, It's maybe I need to leave and get out of here, do something different. Well, it's kind of funny because in 1978, he released another single, which I believe was a pretty big hit. Don't you think this outlaw bit's done got out of hand? <laughs> so I've never heard that. Yeah. So I really liked that song, and it was his fourth number one hit uh, that Waylon Jennings had, and he wrote this song himself. And I believe that I have the um, record on vinyl that this is on, Dreaming My Dreams With You, and I'm just a big fan of Waylon Jennings, and um, the glut of my record collection um, is outlaw country guys like Willie and Waylon and Merle. I've got some Chris Christopherson it was all given to me by my Mimi and Pop, mm-hmm. and so I listened to those a lot growing up. So I think I thought it was would be a pretty cool one to include. I technically have this on vinyl too, but it's just on Waylon's greatest hits record that I have. Well, that but counts. I've got it on the vinyl. We I've talked uh, on different occasions about not really being involved in country music at all outside of my Oak Ridge Boys. Uh, in the 80s mm-hmm. and maybe Alabama because my granny liked Alabama a lot and I listened to that. But <clears throat> I really didn't get into listening to any kind of old school country um, un- until later. I mean, when, when Robin and I were dating, she was listening to 90s country radio, which we've talked about some. So I was familiar with a lot of that stuff just because she was playing it a lot. But um, I did not know 
any Waylon at that time. And in fact, the first time I ever heard, are you sure Hank done it this way? It was not Waylon's version. I first I heard it. I bet it was Pat Green and Corey it Morrow, was. wasn't it? It was Pat Green and Corey Morrow from yep. Songs We Wish We'd Written. A bunch of people uh, have covered this song. About about the year 2000, and that's you know when the Texas country thing was at its peak, which we've talked about, and that's where I first heard the song. And, of course, that meant I had to go back and, and find the original, which is really where it's at. That's a great, great tune. I think so, too. Josh, we, we just said um, that it was covered by... Pat Green and Corey Morrow, but it was also covered by a bunch of other people. Robert O'Keen has has covered it. Uh, Alabama, you mentioned them too. Uh, Clint Black, Jack Ingram, Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> <laughs> the Mavericks. Also, randomly, Uncle Tupelo uh, recorded this. I think that that um, group is related to... Um, Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. Um, I'm drawing to, a blank. Is that the one? Is that uh, uh, Wilco? Jeff, yeah, exactly. Will, uh, Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Sorry, he drew a blank there. Th- that's right. So I think that it's clearly it's used as an anthem uh, to say, you know what, this music, this genre that we're part of, it, it needs to change. And it's pretty interesting that you could hear that song and you could, you could think about somebody playing that today. Yeah. Because in country music... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of the same old tune, right? We've talked about it. Oh yes. Trucks, country roads, painted on parked? jeans. Oh, I'm parked about 80 miles from Santa Fe. A- anywhere in particular? Right here by the lake. Oh okay. And exactly. what are you doing there? Just parked. Oh okay. Anyway, <laughs> you all know what we're talking about. It's the same old tune, and so something needs to change. And luckily. There's some people in country music right now that are coming up and already are here that are really doing some cool things. Chris Stapleton is the the biggest one I can think of. Involved as a songwriter for a long time, but he's definitely got this type of more traditional sound that I think is I think is very cool. I think it'd be really great to see that just really come back and take hold. I think it will eventually. It's starting to come up. Now, things go in, in such waves. I mean, you've talked about how this being an anthem could apply applied then and could could apply now. There's probably been, you know, once about every 10 years that, Maybe. that it could apply. And, and those things do sort of tend to, to go in circles. It speaks to the idea that popular recorded music is really only about 70 years old. And so seeing, I mean, it, it, it goes back further than that. I mean, you've got recorded music from 100 years ago. But, but the, the music industry, the music yeah, business. as proper as we know it and have seen it develop is, you know, casual popular music discussions from the past 70 years. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're talking about. And that's so you, our onus for this show. Yeah. So you see these trends that happen and the fads and, and all of that. But there's always somebody out there who's trying to to push, you know, a different direction and, and try to make things go back. I, I've talked about, you know, when we've talked about the 90s, how I really have a great appreciation for that time frame because there seemed to be this unspoken, let's just be a band. And a lot of those guys were successful during that time doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't necessarily, they didn't want to do the new wave or the hair bands or even the grunts. They just wanted to be a, a band. Yeah. And well, you always you always have groups that say, "Let's look to the future. Let's let's see what's coming up." And then you always have the guys that say, "Let's I, I like it. it was better back then. It was better at this time or that time." 
So you get all these, you get all these influences that in, end up influencing the mainstream, like where the average is. Yeah. It, it kind of gets pulled. So it, it's it's fascinating to to watch and pay attention to, and I, I think it's pretty interesting that this song took us down that that path to a, a discussion about trends in all kinds of music. I think that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, I think that's what this song is about, really. It is. So uh, I was glad to include some Waylon, another Texas musician, one of many Texas musicians we've talked about. Whether we've meant to or not, a lot of great musicians are just from Texas. That's that's a fact. So that's the great thing about our state, isn't it? Uh, absolutely one of the, the many great things. True. So what, what have you got for us today? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I almost pivoted after you picked this <laughs> and picked The Ride by David Allen Coe just because oh. I thought it would be so cool how they go together. It, it would be. <laughs> but that's not really what we do here. So That wouldn't have been organic, wouldn't it? And it wouldn't have been organic. So I will also do away with any sort of unintended planning and pick something that was released in April of 1984. Uh, for some reason, the listed genre for this tune is dance rock. I never thought of it this way. This is just a pop song. And it was a pop song that was all over the radio. This particular guy um, had a, a number six hit with this, but it was in the single digits around most of the world. I can vividly remember hearing this song while riding the bus, and I would have been in fourth grade that spring. So that that I just remember this song from that time. And, you know, 84, 84 was just an incredible year for movies and music. But this is the one that I remember the most. This is Dan Hartman, I Can Dream About You. Yeah. 
sure Hank done it this way? <laughs> Dan Harmon did it that way in 1984. Yeah, Sounds you know what? like 1984. Just I, takes me back. I, I don't know that it, it, the song sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I've ever heard it really. That's that's interesting again. But um, I like it. This is, I've said it before, this is the type of 80s music that I like. Oh yeah. The, oh, yeah. the juxtaposition of the electronic elements, the programmed sounding drums and Without synth. taking over and making it an electronic yes. or a new wave sound, it's it's a really nice mixture of 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 electronic and then more you know standard type of sound. Yeah, instrumentation. Exactly. Uh, and that, yeah, I like. I mean, it's it's dated. I mean, it it doesn't sound. Yeah, but it's dated in a good way. Yes, that's exactly right. I I like stuff that is of its time in a positive way. And this, I think, applies. Dan Hartman is a, a pretty interesting type guy. Now, he had one other hit that was in the top, uh, that made the top 40. In 1978, he had a song called Instant Replay that got to 29. I've never heard it. I don't know any other songs by Dan Hartman. So, so this is very much a one-hit wonder. He, as far as I'm concerned, I'd call him a one-hit wonder, even if technically... It doesn't fit. This is a song everybody knows. It was in a movie called Streets of Fire. I don't know that I've ever seen Streets of Fire, but it was performed in that movie. He wrote it for the movie, and it was performed in that movie um, by a, a Temptations-type group, but his version was the one on the radio, his version was the one on the soundtrack, and his version was the one that was a hit. I, now, think, I think you could easily call this dance rock. I mean... Here, listening to it, having seen that that's the way it's classified, I get it. I never thought of it that way before, <laughs> but it's it's basically a straightforward um, uh, love song, um, un, unrequited love. Again, I, I can dream about you if I can't hold you tonight. Uh, he actually wrote the song originally for Hall and Hoats. Oh, this this is that could easily be a Hall and Oates song. But they had just finished recording an album, and so. They they passed on it and and later did did record it. I, I wonder 
uh, about something as I hear the song, I, moving sidewalks. I was just out. about to mention that moving sidewalks because that was the name of the of the band that um, Billy Gibbons that Billy Gibbons had. Yeah, and and that would have been fifteen years before. I and mean, I don't know why a guy from it's coincidental. It's got to be, but that's certainly what I thought yeah, of. Yeah, it stood it stood out to me. I wanted to look and see was there some Texas connection? Was he? In, I mean, he he produced for a lot of. Of I mean, like for 38 special and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, that's a Southern kind of thing. Maybe he's aware, but I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Yeah, coincidental, but it's, yeah. I was like, oh, wait a second. That's a strange lyric, but you know. It's, it's got to be. But it, it it really takes me back. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm uh, about to turn nine years old when this comes out. It's all over the radio, and I just, I loved it at the time, and I still love it. It just... It's a it's a big memory bug, you know, one of those things that's just stuck in there. I said I don't know another Dan Hartman song, but we both know another Dan Hartman song. We just didn't realize it. Oh, okay. So, before becoming doing more producing and and that kind of thing and before, you know, having this record, uh, he played with Johnny Winter in Johnny Winter's band. And really? yes, after doing that for a while, uh, Johnny introduced him to his brother Edgar. And he played in the Edgar Winter Group. And he wrote and sang the lead on Free Ride. <laughs> I never knew that. Wow. But the same guy who sings seminal 80s song, I Can Dream About You, also sings Free Ride. <laughs> so what instrument does he play? Um, he play, he played bass in that band, but he's also a keyboardist. Okay. Um, he, uh, he died... Back in '94, uh, from an AIDS-related brain tumor, um, I I didn't know that. I'm just seeing that and doing a little bit of, of research for this. Uh, he declined treatment and and just kind of that was it. Um, but I don't remember hearing about that at, at the time, and that was only you know 11 years after or 10 or well 10 years after the the record dropped that he had a hit with. But yeah, pretty interesting when I found out that he was part of the Edgar Winter group and their biggest hit. Um, of course, the other one was Frankenstein, but the biggest hit <laughs> is, is Free Ride, which I mean, we've all heard and yeah, enjoyed abs- that. Absolutely. So that's Dan Hartman, both writing and singing it. And this one, 1984's I Can Dream About You. Well, that's interesting. And so many times we've done Classic 45 episode. So many times we have done an episode, I should say. And we get a big-time juxtaposition of, of two very different songs, and so we have done it again. We have, and I really like it when... I, this one I just picked from my big drawer of singles. No, no, it's big singles drawer. Oh, sorry. From my... This one I just picked from my big, big singles single drawer. drawer, and so I that's where I got it, and so I jumped down the rabbit hole of reading about it and learned something just... Very cool about it that I didn't know, and that's also part of the fun for me in doing this. It is very fun. All right. Well, there's you another episode of Classic 45s. I selected I Can Dream About You by Dan Hartman, 1984. And I selected Are You Sure Hank Done It This Away by Waylon Jennings in 1975. Before we go, one thing we wanted to remind everybody of is that we do now have merch available. So yeah, you can crazy. go to sefs.show, S-E-F-S dot show click on the menu on merchandise and it'll take you to our pt public store and you can buy 
your t-shirts and coffee mugs and what have you. <laughs> you can even buy wall tapestry if you like. Of some of the items, <laughs> you can't get a wall tapestry. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to get that to record in front of. When we do it, is video just, it is just wild that very early on we had people ask us for stuff like that. Like we it was finally not got something that, that I there. imagine would be a thing. But so it is. So, and and uh, it's been, uh, as of this recording, uh, a couple of days since I made it uh, live, and 18 items have been ordered. So, <laughs> wow. That is just crazy. And we've also surpassed 1,600 total plays. We have. And which, by, the, by the time that the episode reaches the airwaves, it will maybe be closer to 2,000. It probably will because the numbers are going up uh, quickly. They're not going up as fast as Dogecoin did, but they're going up. Rip. <laughs> We'll see how that goes, but I want to mention one more thing as well. Please, if you listen to us on Apple, which that actually ends up being 70% of our listeners listen right. on Apple, please you know, give a rating to our show and, and please give us a review. It's really important. Um, if you like us, you know, let us know about it because that way we can get more people interested in our show because we might be likely to be suggested with on other podcasts that people listen to. That's exactly right, and that will help to that end. So please do that and get your significant other or someone that you know to do the same for us. Absolutely. Rating, review. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Um, it's easy to do on your iPhone. It's right there. Native app. Don't even have to download anything. And we just love to read the reviews and, and the ratings, and it's so cool to hear from everyone. It is. Appreciate your continued and ongoing support. We hear from a lot of you. Please keep that coming. We enjoy it. But until next time, I've been Josh. I'm Jacob. And this is Somebody, Somebody Else's, Else's Favorite Classic, Classic 45s. 45s. Twice in a row, we've got it right the first time. No singles were harmed in the making of this episode. No, but they will be harmed. <laughs> Although our banter will be rendered essentially harmless. Yes, a, a hallmark of Brad Productions. <laughs> <laughs>